Joseph. And I'm Nick. And this is Fish Jelly. Yes. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Okay. Uh, we found out that we're Rotten Tomatoes approved critics. Oh, yeah. we That happened this week. Mm-hmm. I, I you got, already were. I already was, but uh, they had an open... Uh, what what do you what do you call that? That they had an open period where you could apply. So I submitted uh, an application for you for, for fish, fish jelly. jelly, and somehow I got approved. <laughs> so now I'm a Rotten Tomatoes approved critic, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I think is funny. I don't know how that works for videos. Um, I I started the process, uh, but I haven't received the authorization yet to add my reviews so i'm not sure if i'm responsible for finding quotes that they will use on the site because you know for people who don't know in rotten tomatoes for any given movie there's a critic section and that's how they determine if something's fresh or not and usually it's that person's score and then a quote above but for written reviews it's easy to grab a quote i don't know how they do that for video i don't either I guess I'll find out. Mm-hmm. There's a winner for RuPaul's Drag Race All Stars season eight. I already forgot that happens, and we're done. The winner's Jimbo. Uh, yep. <laughs> this was probably the most underwhelming U.S. Drag Race. Yeah. Season since probably season seven with Violet Chachki. Yeah. I don't know. I thought. I was probably more entertained with that one. Oh, I, I definitely was too. I thought this was, it, it wasn't good. This might be the most boring. And you know, someone was, <laughs> someone was talking to me because they played this nonsensical fame game bullshit, whatever that was, so they can have two winner, winner chicken dinners. And then, you know, they, could, they all came back and they all had to do a talent, all the eliminated queens, and then do a uh, one last look. No one brought up Heidi in Closet. Nobody even said her name. Oh my gosh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that odd? The one who dropped out, they they didn't pay her dust. She didn't come back. <laughs> they didn't no but nobody talked about her. Yeah, she's not even mentioned. None of her sisters were like, Oh, you know, poor Heidi. I mean, I have every once in a while I mentioned my dad, even though <laughs> they didn't mention her at all. <laughs> no wow yeah this season was raggedy uh i i think it's you know i'm sure it'll go for years still but i think it's a sign of the times of like everything it would it's going to run itself into the ground well i agree i think with new quote-unquote talent which seems to be yeah eventually it's just going to be anyone who's a drag queen can be on the show because the pool, I would imagine, of like very experienced drag queens is diminishing. But for the all-star stuff, I, yeah, I think it might be more, f- you know, it'd be fun to me is take some of the queens people like and make like a TV series out of it or do like a Big Brother type situation. Sure. Where they're like, I mean, we get to know these people as people out of drag. I, I, I could see myself as, I don't consider myself a super fan, but considering I've watched every episode of U.S. Drag Race, um, I, I guess I would be qualified as a, a big fan. I would like that. Sure. Some of your favorites just 
chilling for 30 days I, in a house. I think, you know, the difficulty is drag, you know, is, is an art form. It, it also is hard on your body. It's expensive. Um, and I think, you know, kind of back in the day, how TV stars had to, a hard time making that leap to film. Like, yeah. no, because nobody wanted to buy tickets for somebody they could see for free on TV. Uh, I, I think that drag queens have a similar hurdle of as artists that might want to expand upon their craft outside of just being defined by drag. Like, will Yeah, be- because a lot of queens, people only want to see them doing the one thing. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Laganja like- Stranja doing a split from the second story, or well, RuPaul herself, or yeah, or well, yeah. So uh, maybe diversifying how this net, you know, this production company Wow presents drag queens would help everyone and give the the art form some some legs and some longevity. I mean, am I going to stop watching Drag Race? No, but my excitement for it diminishes but again even those that even somebody like willem who i think has rejected you know being an alumni (laughs) is still very much involved with um you know drag race (laughs) so i don't know where's the i i you know what using film for instance you know, when you're done, if you're an actor, when you're done with a movie, you're done with that movie. Usually you can go on and do other things. It's, you know, sometimes you're uh, typecast or pigeonholed, but you get to move on. You get to try other things. And I think drag queens, I don't, there are very few number of things that seems that culturally were helping them do. Sure. Moving on, Jamie Foxx finally uh, made a video on Instagram sort of giving an update on his medical condition, which I find funny because the headlines were he gives an update on his medical condition, but he doesn't actually say what was wrong with him. Mm-hmm. He just says he's doing better now and that he didn't want people to see him with tubes coming out of his body, that he wants people to know him as being like the fun guy who's in movies and TV and telling jokes. And I can totally appreciate that. I wouldn't want people seeing me not at my best, certainly not how, the majority of people who are concerned about his health are people who don't know him. They just know him as an entertainer. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I wouldn't want people. That's his business. He, it's his, his business. health is his business. But um, so I, you know, good that he's well enough to um, get back out in these streets and give an update. Although it's like I don't know what was wrong with him. I don't either. I mean, he's he'd be pretty young for something too devastating to happen. I'd hope, but. I don't know. It sounds like something pretty big happened to him. I think it sounds sounds almost like a stroke, but uh, I'm glad he's fine. And he's God, he's got a ton of stuff coming out. Do we want to go on a rant about dinner? Uh, Go get it. Get it. Well, you know, I like to complain about these restaurants, these overpriced restaurants that aren't giving us anything. Drag her. So we went to a restaurant in the arts district, which is like downtown L.A., um, which I like called the Yang Bon, which is like Korean American Jewish Jewish deli cuisine. I don't know. It was a very interesting. It just mix. is like, what are we? I don't know. It seems really gimmicky, and the space space is cute. The space is cute, but then the seating is just like it's all cramped and not comfortable. And getting there, like you know, the arts district is kind of not in the nicest area. It's like kind of an industrial place with a lot of really interesting spaces sort of sprinkled throughout parking is a nightmare and expensive. Mm -hmm. Then you get in these places and it's like, so the process of getting there 
is not easy. Then the food is really expensive. Um, this is a downside. So we aren't there we, often. We ordered, we, there were four of us mm-hmm. and we ordered, they had like some chicken wings. We ordered ch- two orders of chicken wings. Which means um, we got six chicken wings. Uh-huh. That and, was like $45. And then they ordered uh, the duck confit. The, but for appetizers, mushrooms and carrots. Those are two separate. Two dishes. separate things. And the mushroom was. It was like pickled mushroom. I didn't care. I like mushrooms. I didn't like it. But no, talk about the portion. Oh, it was like in a little Petri dish. It was in the size of the dish that some restaurants, like some fine dining restaurants, the chef will bring out a sample of things to co- sort of like wet your palate it, and, and it, entice you to order it. It was that size. It was sample size. Yeah. Even for one person, it wasn't enough to no. the, the carrots were very, they were a candied carrot. So they taste like, you know, sweet potatoes. They could have been those candy yams out of the can. If you told me they were that, I would have thought, yeah, yeah I wouldn't have, I, yeah, I would. Tasting, they weren't warm either. I wouldn't. Yeah, it was cold. And then the they were sitting were on top of a bed of a bed, like a like half a spoonful of yogurt. Very interesting and tasty. An ottoman of yogurt. Then the duck confit, which was a leg of duck. Which a leg. I like duck. And some beets. And it was t- and plums. And plums. It was tasty, but the, you know, a duck. It's a bird leg. It's a small bird leg for thirty dollars. It was more than thirty dollars. It was like thirty five dollars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then we ordered some kind of rice thing that was like $20. It was a cup of rice. But it was just a cup of rice. It did have a little flavor to it. Whatever. And then, it, uh, no, there was something else too, wasn't there? No, that was it. No, there was another meat dish. No. Oh, you're right. There was. It was um, like the kind of... It, it's almost like pork belly that they put in ramen. Yes, it was. It was they pork, had like, like chashu a, almost. Yes, they had a, a, a circular piece of that with like cabbage on top or coleslaw. Coleslaw, like yeah. Korean inspired coleslaw. It was tasty. Again, tasty, but. But um, also expensive and not a lot of it. So anyway, so all of the, that food was, you know. The drinks. Then, but then you get to the drinks. All of their drinks are pre-made. And the idea is cute because they, I, it appears that they make these cocktails in batches and then they put them in cans. I don't mm-hmm. know how they secure the can. I don't know. But it's all, and it's in a, like a refrigerated case with like handwritten labels that I thought actually looked kind of chic and cool. But the prices for these drinks, these $20 drinks that were so, I mean, you, I think yours was the only one. No, I, well, maybe mine. I don't know. They were all like, no alcohol in them. Mm-hmm. A can of white claw would taste stronger. Yes. Than these drinks. The bill was high as hell. And yeah. everyone, all four of us, as soon as we were done, said, We need to go eat. <laughs> like, like we're gonna have to go eat. We did, and we ended up going to the gay bar, but we were all hungry after it was said and done. Mm-hmm. Oh, we also ordered they had buffalo milk ice cream. It tasted good to me. It was okay. It was soft serve. It was soft serve though. So then it, you know what it tastes like to me? Like, like Froyo. Like, like when you get that plain tart Froyo from like Yolk Menchies or whatever, it tasted like that. But then I didn't even see how much that was, but it's like, it was not cheap. Could I go get it myself? But (laughs) all I'm saying is I'm just getting really bored with 
going to these uncomfortable ass restaurants with this overpriced food with these small ass portions that are difficult to even get to like parking's difficult you know like to valet and give a tip like that that's a lot of money and then to leave like still hungry and <laughs> is just great and then the bill be hundreds of like a car payment yeah is crazy mm -hmm. i don't care how much money i end up with i i, I just don't like that i, I don't well, it doesn't feel like I, I got what I paid for. The company was nice. I mean, I enjoyed my evening there, but mainly just because it was fun talking mm -hmm. to who we were with. But yeah, I was, we could have sat at Denny's, honestly. God. And I could have got some full Denny's <laughs> office. I don't, you, you I don't, know, I like Denny's. I don't <laughs> love Denny's, but I I, like again, Denny's. I had a traumatic childhood experience at Denny's. So that's why. Okay, moving on. There's something in the sorry to this man section for our review of Barbie. I, I, I said that I thought it was weird that in Barbie land, there's so much diversity. And I, and I didn't know, think that real Barbies, like Barbies that we can buy today are that diverse, but we received several many comments explaining that they are. So of course I went on to the Mattel Barbie website and in fact, yeah, there's a lot of diversity in Barbie. So that was a very pleasant surprise. But what I think I probably should have articulated better uh, for myself is the film should have been more subversive as in, okay, so you have all these in Barbie land and available to buy in the real world, the doll versions of all these, this diverse legion of Barbies, but still what is ingrained in everybody's head is this pretty white girl. Well, I don't necessarily agree because I do think the story makes sense if it's about stereotypical Barbie, because all of the other Barbies seem to have a personality. Mm -hmm. So they wouldn't be as confused because they actually have something right but I, I don't know that the film i don't think the film articulates that that, that no way. that i that i agree with it, it would have been interesting to have the other barbies who also are all called barbie but then i mean i guess that's what they are but anyway yes i agree it would have been interesting for the film to have the other barbies sort of make it more clear to because that problem could have been solved very easily. Like, girl, the reason you feel like this is because you don't have shit. Like, you need to define who you are. Your existential crisis, Ken has his attached to you, but yours is you don't know what you want or what you're looking for because you've only been uh, prized because you're pretty and trim. So, but again, I misspoke. The bar there are Barbies. There's a Down syndrome Barbie. There are Barbies in wheelchairs, Barbies with vitiligo, Barbies of all different ethnicities and body sizes. Um, I believe the plus size ones are called curvy body Barbies. They have a Barbie. Uh, people were saying there are trans Barbies. There's a Laverne Cox Barbie. So who, not a mistruth. Who, who she's trans. I don't know if there's like a generic trans Barbie and what would that look like? <laughs> but or a non-binary barbie i don't know what that would look Ooh, like and a non-binary barbie is that they should have a non-binary barbie that has two different sets of clothes mm. that'd be really interesting that's a learning tool for children right there moving on films released we didn't cover return to dust uh this competed at the 2022 berlin international film festival where i reviewed it for ion cinema and i remember thinking this was a pleasant enough film uh, about two very lonely, very poor, uh, put upon Chinese people that come together and find love. Directed by Li Rujun. 
Fear the Night. Uh, you had no interest in watching this, so I did, and I reviewed it for us at Fish Jelly. Oh, so we did review it, technically. You wrote a review for our website. Yes. And Jellyfilms. Yep. Dot com. com. Uh, and this <laughs> is stars Maggie Q. Uh, I don't think, I don't know why you passed on watching this, but uh, I know you don't remember things, so Neil Labute probably meant nothing to you, but he had two releases last year that were on our top 10 worst of the year. Uh <laughs> So I was thinking this would be tragic, and I'm not going to say it's a return to form, but at least it was watchable, uh, mostly thanks to Maggie Q. See you on Venus. Uh, this looks like a romance. Th this is like one of those uh, disease romantic. It, it looks like Fault in the Stars. I think this girl's dying, and she goes somewhere and finds love. Uh, or what's that one with Kum Kum Kumail Nanjiani? Does the big it, sick is it like that that's based on his own life oh <laughs> but yeah similar of sickness and love until death do us part mm -hmm. uh joaquin yamas is the director of see you on venus uh which reminds me of the anais nin book what's that book by nin um <laughs> delta know, venus know. anyway i'd rather i'd rather uh, read her Lastly, Stephen Curry, underrated. Peter Nix directed, a, as the title indicates, a documentary about short king NBA player Stephen Curry. Is Stephen Curry a short king? I think he's short, yeah. For an NBA player. For an NBA player, So yeah. he's like 6'7 or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, projects of interest. There's a new Paul Verhoeven project. Yeah, Saeed Ben Saeed announced on Paul Verhoeven's 85th birthday last week that soon he would be making another film in France which would be Verhoeven's third after L and Benedetta movies that were watched for fun three the hard way. So I w I watched this the same day as they clone Tyrone and it makes a, d a great double feature. Uh, and I wish I had watched it before we recorded our review, but uh, this is about uh, a group of white scientists that come up with a way to poison the water system so that it would kill only black people. Oh gosh. <laughs> um, and I'm laughing, not it, because it's a good idea. No, <laughs> but these dum dums are like JK. Yeah. JK. These dum dums. These these white people are like, yeah, it's like sickle cell. See, um, but it's got Fred Williamson, Jim Brown, and the uh, I think highly underrated Jim Kelly as a group of men, black men that come across, come together across the nation to fight this this plot. <laughs> And I'm not going to say it's good, but if you like any of those people, I think it's a lot of fun. And Jim Kelly has this, you know, he was a Kung Fu artist, a martial, a martial artist. And he, uh, he has one really good scene. Uh, we watched the haunted mansion in preparation for the upcoming remake by Justin Simeon. The original is directed by Rob Minkoff, who was directed the animated Lion King for Disney. This was caca. It was garbage. I didn't even finish it. It was so boring. You fell asleep. Yeah, it was so boring. It wasn't funny. It wasn't creepy. It like there's <laughs> I think it's funny. Eddie Murphy and uh, talks about how black people wouldn't go to a haunted house. And it's like, OK, well, well, you shouldn't have been in that one either. I guess that shit is garbage, mama. Uh, and Je even Jennifer Tilly and Terrence Stamp as the crazy butler. It was Ugh. bad. Crazy Mama. We finally finished this. You must have forgotten about it, but uh, yeah, what is this? Jonathan Demme's uh, with Cloris Leachman. We finished it. Yeah, we did. I didn't watch that. I didn't finish this movie. Yes, you did. Where she, they're, they're she's 
in Long Beach and she's going back to wherever they're from, Alabama or Arkansas to reclaim her farm. And they're no, I didn't finish it. You didn't finish it. Oh, well, no, it was a lot you of fun. Did. Yeah. Her, oh, so it was good. It, well, it's, it's a B movie for sure, but her and Ann Southern and <laughs> I found it entertaining. Next winter kills. So Quentin Tarantino is re releasing winter kills. Although the launch seems to be happening at only new Beverly cinema from what I can see, but the publicist gave me a review. It's a, or a, 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 a screening link. So I watched it uh, very much up my alley because it stars uh, Jeff Bridges and John Houston. It's uh, a conspiracy thriller, 1979 movie. I think that wasn't very well received when it came out directed by William Reichert. Fantastic cast though. Anthony Perkins. Um, it's about the brother of an assassinated president. Okay. Like or the, his half brother. So think JFK's half brother uh, is suddenly told that uh, somebody's confessing to being the actual assassin and is saying, and lets him know where the, rifle was that he killed the president with and then so it starts off like on a really dark troubling note and then becomes kind of a black comedy that i don't think works really well uh it's from the author of the manchurian candidate i believe uh it's it's really it's worth a watch but it also feels it again it's kind of how things get run to the ground like this popular genre you know this conspiracy thriller especially in the, the the 70s and it's just like okay now we're getting way we're going way ott with this but it's still worth a watch. We watched Honey with Jessica Alba core. I cannot stand Jessica Alba. I had never seen Honey. I didn't care for her without watching Honey, but what that movie is cringy as hell. It's pretty bad. She's acting with- like she's like Jenny from the block, kind mm-hmm. of. I, I don't know the lady. Maybe that is her attitude. So I'm not saying she's like appropriating anything, but even if that is how she is, it's it's annoying. <laughs> <laughs> Directed by Billy Woodruff, of course, uh, and Mackay Pfeiffer as the love interest. The story is so basic. Yep, mm-hmm. it's so basic, and the just the 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 screenplay, the just everything. Not, even the dancing is lame. It's if it had been if it had had the balls to actually have any convictions whatsoever, it could have been at the camp level of a. Sh- well, it could reach. It it could get on the horizon of a showgirls because she's not she's like Elizabeth Berkeley in that movie. Uh, she, Jessica Alba in this movie looks lost. Like she, mm-hmm. like, like, is this her big break? I think so. Yeah. And it's so, coming, this is coming from a dumb, dumb that uh, maligned screenwriters because she doesn't think that they're necessary. Horrible. I can't even recommend it for fun. There's two sequels. Anyway, you watched above the rim. Yeah, which I actually quite liked. It was the debut. <laughs> Again, it, it's funny in the 90s, like some of these uh, classics of black cinema have all these white directors. So this is the guy that did Jeff Pollock, who did Booty Call, which we rewatched very recently. And I've never seen Above the Rim. I have to say, I thought I liked this much better than, well, both versions of White Men Can't Jump. But uh, Leon made a really good, I thought, dare I say, excellent lead. He was so sad in this, and I thought he carried the film quite well. Like it, it's basically him and Dwayne Martin, but um, and Tupac is Leon's younger, troubled brother. But it's it's worth the watch, and it 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 kind of all comes together a bit too quickly based on the kind of slower character development we get in the first half of it. But um, I liked it. The Loveless. 
because uh, it was Willem Dafoe's birthday and yesterday for the live we did uh, Last Temptation of Christ. But the one I want, the Willem film I wanted to watch was his big break uh, in Catherine Bigelow's debut, The Loveless, where uh, he plays the leader of a 50s biker gang. And as I said yesterday, uh, very Marlon Brando in The Wild One. Uh, he's very fitting for this period of storytelling. And it, if you like him, I, I'd recommend watching it. Death Dream. Uh, this I put on for fun. It's a Bob Clark film from the 70s, from 74, I think. Bob Clark's best known for A Christmas Story and Black Christmas. He also did Rhinestone with Sylvester Stallone and Dolly Parton. Uh, this is a contemporization of The Monkey's Paw uh, about a, a kid that dies in Vietnam and his parents and his sister are told that he's dead. And then the next day he shows up on the doorstop, but something's not quite right with him. <laughs> Prisoner of Honor. I uh, just finished reading um, the dra- it, it was Jacques, uh, plus a bunch of letters from Emile Zola to his wife and lawyer, etc., uh, about concerning the Dreyfus affair, uh, turn of the century France, and because I I was doing that in preparation because I want to finally watch Polanski's Officer and a Spy. But I had learned recently that Ken Russell did a TV movie with Richard Dreyfuss uh, in The Dreyfus Affair uh, called Prisoner of Honor. And Oliver Reed is in it. It's a TV movie from 91. And it's in English and, you know, is absolutely not some story that should be in English. But um, it, it was okay. It was just barely okay. Lastly, you watched Cat Chaser. Oh my God. I, I've known that everybody involved with this film had distanced themselves from it. Um, it's an Abel Ferreira film from 1989 Ke- starring Kelly McGillis and Peter Weller and Charles Durning and Frederick Forrest, who also recently died. And it's based on an Elmore Leonard novel, who I believe is the one providing the kind of mm, sleazy sounding narration because it's a it's no, it's noir. But the narration sounds so stupid. Nobody besides Kelly McGillis, nobody in the movie is remotely appealing. Um, it's, it seems, I don't know. I don't Peter Weller, who, you know, is Robocop. And we recently saw naked lunch. Uh, I, I don't know how much of a leading man material I think he was, but, uh, yeah, it, it seems like a missed opportunity in many ways in a really kind of dumb and the stuff i read about behind the scenes was and i I hope it's not true because who knows about imdb trivia but kelly mcgill there's a you know kelly mcgill was famously had divulged that she'd been raped in real life and she stars in the accused opposite jodie foster and there's a rape scene in this movie and i read that ferrara wanted to use a body double and she got upset thinking that it meant that he believed she wasn't attractive enough it's like that is troubling to hear. I hope that's not true. Mm. Well, let's take a break. Unfortunately, there are entries in the obituary section. Tony Bennett done died. Tony Bennett's been in it. <laughs> I'm not familiar with Tony Bennett. I know what he looks like. I know he's a singer. Um, and I know he did an album with Lady Kaka, but he did. That's yep. about it. Oh, okay. are you familiar with him? Uh, I could not name a Tony Bennett song, but I feel, you know, if like we're at the Grove and I hear something and it's like, oh, that that's Tony Bennett. Okay. Oh, you recognize his voice. Uh, if I hear it. Yeah. I couldn't tell you the name of his, any of his songs, though. He has 20 Grammy Awards. Yeah. So um, he's a very big deal. I mean, you know, that's just not my style of. 
preferred music. Um, my mm. mom might have had a Tony Bennett CD. Mm. Well, goodbye, sir. He was 96. Oh, he lived a long, fabulous life. Yeah, but I think he was kind of, at least in the 90s, was a joke. Like, he's still around. <laughs> oh, well. And then, of course, Jane Birkin died. Yeah, I like Jane. You have a list of five favorites of hers. Yeah. I, there's a lot of Jane's films I haven't seen. Um, you know, I think, I think. Well, don't say that because now your list of five is not. Oh, as legitimate. It, it, it's no, these are highlights that of, of her career that I think I would highly recommend. You've seen many Jane Birkin films and you're going to give us five of your favorites. Yes, but they're, they're <laughs> blind spots too. Cause she did some stuff that's kind of, you do shit like, uh, you'd be the one to be <laughs> Like if I offer someone a, a drink from the beverage refrigerator and they pull something we haven't like had in a while, you'll be like, oh, we've had that for years. Like, why would you say that? <laughs> you have a vast uh, knowledge of Jane Birkin's filmography. I do, but... but and you're going to give us five of the ones you really like. But you know me, I always undersell myself. There's so much more to catch up on all the time, but I, I wish I was the completest on every front, but I haven't seen all of her films, but I've seen a lot of them. But there, there are a lot of things that she did in the 70s that are you know, quite frankly, hard to get a hold of, or maybe arguably unremarkable. Um, Let's get to your five favorites. Well, first of all, she, you know, she's British and she, um, I think her first, I think she has a non-speaking role in Richard Lester's The Knack or How to Get It. And she was in Antonioni's Blow Up. I, and I think she has a nude scene in Blow Up. But anyway, she, they made fun of her in the UK. Uh, and they they treated her kind of like a bimbo and she was stupid and you know people actresses weren't getting naked then so she that, that kind of drove her into the arms of france right where she became an icon because she uh married serge gainsbourg they uh recorded songs together of course had well at least charlotte together i don't know because lola she had was jacques Dolan. anyway um, the only thing I know about Jane, Bur Bur I didn't even know her name was Jane, but I knew that the Hermes Birkin bag was inspired by someone yeah. named Birkin. So that's all I know about Fashion, her. Have uh, I seen a Jane Birkin movie besides the one today? Um, I'm not sure. Have you? Yes, we have. We reviewed one for a Blu-ray. That's the, the top one on my list. Je t'aime moi non plus, uh, which means I love you, me not anymore, roughly. The Pet Shop, it's a Serge Gainsbourg song that he recorded with Jane Birkin. And then um, the Pet Shop Boys is an English language remake of the song. But we reviewed this um, on Blu-ray. It's co-stars uh, Joe D'Alessandro and Jane Birkin. And uh, I think she works as a waitress and she's lonely and likes to sing songs and falls in love with him, but he might be gay. That sounds familiar. Yeah. We, you, well, you'll have to look at your own channel and see what you thought of it. But Probably uh, next uh, La Piscine, I think is fantastic. I think it's 1969 that had a criterion release about two years ago. Jacques Duray film uh, with Romy Schneider, Alain Delon, uh, this was remade by Luca Guadagnino in 2015 as a bigger splash with Tilda Swinton and Ray Fiennes and Dakota Johnson, who pales vastly in comparison to Jane Birkin. Um, Sinalicious. I don't know if Sinalicious is around anymore, but they put out a release probably a decade ago on Blu-ray, a double feature of two by Agnes Varda, uh, including, uh, what's it? Kung Fu Master, which I think Jane Birkin had a hand in, uh, 
uh, creating the story for that, which is it's fun and worth a watch. But I really like this documentary tribute Agnes did for J- called Jane B for Agnes V. And uh, it's, it's Jane That's ta- number three. It's Jane talking about her life, I think, about to turn 40, uh, having had a, a couple of children. Uh, really fascinating and interesting and just beautifully done by Agnes Varda. And then uh, next on my list is Jane by Charlotte, because in 2021, Charlotte Gainsbourg directed a, a documentary about her mother. Lastly. Lastly, this is just a, uh, a cameo as herself in Hong Sang-soo's Nobody's Daughter in 2012, which I thought was a nice treat. Well, today's secret film was your choice, uh, and it's uh, in honor of Jane Birkin, you chose the 1985 film Dust, directed by Marion Hansel. It's It's Ms. Hansel's debut. Mm -hmm. It's based on the 1977 novel In the Heart of the Country by J.M. Coetzee. 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 This is the first uh, adaptation of a Coetzee novel as well. Uh, The IMDb description says a South African spinster murders her father after he rapes the wife of the black foreman for his plantation. That description makes it sound very different than what it turned out to be. Yeah. Uh, First of all, I don't know that the father raped the wife of the black foreman, but also like the foreman for his plantation. They just live in like a little old farm in the middle of nowhere and... In, in South Africa, yeah, and they have no, they don't really have much, even not the sheep, they don't have a lot of. So it's not like, you know, it's not giving Mandingo. It's, <laughs> it's no. a very quiet movie. No, and in rape, I think, you know, he, the wife is coerced into having sex with this old white man. Sure. Because there's there's a power hierarchy. There's a power dynamic, yeah. yeah. Um, but so. the, the father is played by Trevor Howard, who would die four years later. He was in his 70s. He didn't look bad. He looked kind of like Spencer Tracy, who was much younger when he died uh, in his set. Uh, oh, I know who I think he looks like. Martin Sheen's dad. Martin Sheen's dad? Or no. Do you think he looks like Martin Sheen? No. Because Martin Sheen is the dad of Charlie and Emilio. No, there's some other old man then. Someone's daddy who's famous, who looks like that. Oh, I, I think Trevor Howard in this looks like Spencer Tracy. But um, Trevor Howard's in the film The Third Man, the Carol Reed classic, and Brief Encounter, that marvelous uh, David Lean film that's very depressing and fun. Um, but yeah, Trevor Howard, it plays the father to Magda, played by Jane Birkin. And she is kind of a spinster. She's clearly alone with her emotions and... Uh, is hungering to be touched by somebody, anybody. Well, so it's uh, we're in Cape Province, South Africa, and this father daughter live in this like they're, I guess we can call it a plantation. And the mother has long since passed, it would seem. Mm-hmm. And the daughter and father have an unhealthy relationship. It's not clear to what degree, but it it's, it seems toxic for sure, but maybe also very inappropriate at times. Yeah. Because the way the daughter talks is like, the dad never got remarried and he put that responsibility onto her. Yeah. So then, of course, I read into that. I, I mean, I don't know how much of that's fair, but they, of course, have black um, South Africans working on their plantation. And initially we see two who are older, but then one day a new gentleman shows up who's younger with his wife, who's a younger woman, and immediately the father takes a liking to her. And we get a montage of him, like, basically 
I don't know, like grooming her kind of like yeah. he's giving her, he was handing her what looked to me like sticks of butter. I don't know. But then at one point it looks like maybe it was just candy. He's giving her gifts. But yeah. He's giving her gifts and luring her into his web until ultimately he's having a sexual relationship with her. However, this film has sort of a psychological bend to it because we're seeing imagery through the eyes of Jane Birkin and she seems like a woman on the verge of a nervous breakdown. Definitely. So I don't know. It, it it also seems like some of the imagery of the father with this black African woman is like in her mind, like like she's conflating things. But it is clear that he has the father has been sexual with this young black woman. She's I, I see Magda as somebody that has had to internalize everything. So we see what seems like the real version of something happening. And then we see her ruminating on yes. it and how maybe she wanted it to happen. Uh, or, or and, and sometimes we're unsure of what order that's happening in. We do see Jane Birkin's character shoot her father. I didn't think it was. I think it was the culmination of a lot of feelings. She hated that man, it would yeah. seem. And ultimately, like, just couldn't take it and shot and killed him. But he, he kind of dies a slow death. She shot him in the gut. I won't... So he's lying in bed. He ultimately dies. She buries him. We can get to that. Um, but now, the film's very short. It's under 90 minutes. Yeah. So the first half, you know, it ends with her killing him. And the second half is her trying to manage without having her father who basically took care of her. Mm -hmm. And she seems like she has no idea. She doesn't know what to do. She doesn't, she doesn't know what to do. She doesn't know how to take care of herself with money to run this plantation. She doesn't know about getting a husband, mm -hmm. sex. So she relies heavily on this younger, because the older black couple who were working there, they see that some weird shit is going on between mm -hmm. the father and this younger black woman. So they say, like, we need to get out of yeah, here. Because she's about to go down. So they were smart. So Jane Birkin's character is left with the two younger, mar the, the married couple, and she can't pay them. She kind of manipulates them. They're clearly, I think, also taking advantage of her in a way. Yeah. And she's thinking like, well, we can just be together. Like we can live together <laughs> yeah. as like a three. I mean, I, I got the sense that she was kind of down for a throuple. Yeah. Because at one point, she, we've, which we can talk about, she is sexual with the husband, but then she also seems to want to be intimate with the wife. Yeah. So they, it's a little tenuous when all of a sudden some white folks show up on horseback and the black man, of course, is nervous. Like, bitch, Hendrick, if they realize your dad is dead and he was shot and killed and buried on this farm, they're going to assume I did it. Mm -hmm. So they leave. So the final scene is her alone on this plantation and she has clearly lost her mind because the, the, the final shot is her imagining she's sitting with her father feeding him. Which is a fantasy, like tending for him as an old man is what she fantasized about their life being. Which is sad too. Yeah. Like that she thought like the best case scenario would have been that she could have just taken care of her father until he died, which would have left her in the same position she's in now. Right. But she's made to feel invisible. Yeah. And she, and I, again, I think some significant boundaries have been crossed because at one point she's knocking on his door in the middle of the night, like for a booty call almost. Yeah. She's like, I can't sleep. Yeah. It was all of it. Oh, I thought this was a very, I bet the book is captivating. Mm -hmm. Well, we get her internal monologue. She, so Birkin is narrating is like, 
Magda speaking for how she feels. And even listening, listening to Birkin say this prose, I think is beautiful. Yeah. Her, yeah, I, I liked her too, but I think the book seems like it'd be captivating. The movie is very interesting. Like the story, there's so much symbolism and there's so much to talk about. So I do think it's worth a watch. Um, I did think it kind of felt, I mean, for such a short movie, it did feel like it kind of lingered because we're just stuck in this. We're like, stuck. It, it does feel dry because it's like these, these people are stuck. I don't know. Yeah. But I thought all of the performances were good. Um, but I'm just going to, we don't have a lot of time, but uh, I'm going to go through my notes. I knew Jane Birkin's character was going to be a problem when we see her cutting bread. She has like <laughs> a piece of, like a loaf of bread with this big ass knife and she's holding it to her like, side mm -hmm. and cutting into the bread like if it slipped it would syringe her, her yeah like abdomen <laughs> so i'm like okay she clearly is like a fragile <laughs> clueless person so one big symbol in the film is we see her wind a grandfather clock yeah numerous times what did you think about that 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 this is her sisyphean task yeah and, and that she would always be forced to return like she's she's not free from this, this these endless ticking minutes yeah then early on we see her fantasizing about chopping her daddy's neck with an axe which was giving straight jacket with jane with Joan jane Crawford. straight up giving a william castle moment right there yeah that was a little like oh okay we also see her so first we see her like sort of undressing for bed and she has her armoire open and there's a mirror inside of it. And when she sees her reflection, it's almost like she's bothered by it. She recoils. Yeah. She's like looking at herself, which of course you could read into so many ways, but I thought that was very effective. And then later on we see her at her win her window, like a glass pane window and she's rubbing it with her wrist. Like she wants to cut her wrist. Mm -hmm. Like, She's so miserable, she wants to die. And then we see her fantasize about actually breaking the glass mm -hmm. and her wrists are slit. I thought that was pretty powerful. It's very sad. Like watching I, this woman, it was very sad. I feel so bad for her because you know, she is manipulating, you know, these these servants. Um, but she also does have an affinity for them and a care for them. And it's well, I think that's what's clever is we see her treating these people. Well, you know, that, so that topic alone is very complicated because I think as it, especially as people of color, I think sometimes when we watch or see stories and we see like, oh, that white person was nice to the black person. It's almost like we want to give them an award and it's right. like, well, that's should be just basic human kindness humanity yeah. and that's not how the world is so I, like i do feel in conflict like i shouldn't be thinking she's a nice lady just because she's being respectful to the black people who work for her but then i i, I think it is effective in showing that she isn't a monster because then when she starts manipulating them it doesn't seem like it's because she doesn't like these people she, she seems them, like a desperate woman she wants them to stay yeah she seems desperate well she's because she tells well, at first they call her Klein Anna, which I think Klein means little in German because there's because the older black woman's name is Anna. So they're like, we can't have two Annas. Uh, she originally we see her begging after the father's dead. Like, you need can you teach me how to be a woman? How to like, I don't know anything. <laughs> and it's like, God, this is well, sad. she tells her, I'd like you to tell me how to be pretty, how to find a husband, how to make a man happy. I know nothing. I'd like to be your friend. And Anna doesn't say anything and stands up and leaves. Uh, well, because she's just assuming like, well, you're married. And then my father was lusting after you. So you must know something. You know more than I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the montage of 
Claire, the, the, the young black woman being chased by the dad, I thought was Anna, Klein Anna. So her real name is Klein Anna. Her real name's Anna. Klein, as I said, means little in German. Oh, I thought that they changed her name to Claire. No. Klein Anna. Klein. Yeah. And the reason they did that, like you said, is because there was already an employee. So even that is like, bitch, <laughs> I have a name. You just can't change my name. Mm -hmm. But I guess that's what they did. Um, yeah, when the older um, black couple who work there decide to leave, I thought that was funny. Because mm -hmm. the lady goes like, I don't feel good about what mm -mm, yeah. the mister is doing. We need to get the fuck up out of here. And the husband's like, let's go. <laughs> and then the next thing you see is them getting their paycheck and <laughs> and they're gone. Um, she, Jane Birkin's character is acting like a jealous wife. Once we see yeah. the dad, like she seems angry because I couldn't tell if I thought it was all in her head or is she actually seeing, I'm assuming she actually saw her dad chasing this woman because mm -hmm. the other employees see servants it. see it mm -hmm. but yeah she's acting like a jealous wife and that was uncomfortable yeah she's just well because you have to think this this white woman was brought up in this little household in this little world and she doesn't like this is the world she knows but when because at a point she's imagining her dad like in a relationship with this young black woman mm -hmm. and like they're in bed together and jane go Jane's character goes in to check on them and the black woman is telling her like, put my food here. And, <laughs> and after she shoots the dad, Jane, she goes and like almost accuses the black man of doing it. I was confused by that. Remember when she goes and wakes him up mm -hmm. and like beats him with a, a, a broom? She asked him, yeah, please leave, get out of here. But, but what did you think that meant? Well, I think she saw them as, as a threat, which is why she shot. I think the culmination of things with her dad such as being ignored sexually, he's having sex, you know, he's having sex with somebody else and it's disrupting what little pleasure she thinks she has for herself. So I think, I think she was trying to get rid of him. Speaking of Jamie Foxx, uh, he had a comedy special back in the day where he like, cause you know, he's a musician and a singer. So the special was like stand up comedy and singing. But anyway, I remember him talking about the first time he went to Africa mm -hmm. and he talks about how there were so many flies. Yeah. <laughs> and that, so I kept thinking that in this movie that there are flies everywhere. Oh, the dad's wound. All and the then flies the dad's, yeah, like flies. And then they talk about how it smells like, Oh God. And then when she tries to bury the body, she has, um, the, the remaining black man, Hendrick, Hendrick dig a hole. And then she's like, well, th go throw his body in there. And he's like, no, you need to have like a priest come and say something. And so he walks away and she's mad. And then watching her trying to like. With her hands. Yeah. Like dig a hole with her hands. And then like, she's trying to maneuver the dead body into them. <laughs> I thought that was comical. Um, I thought it was interesting that Jane's character didn't think she needed to pay them. Like, well, like, oh, you want to be here. You should want to be here with me. I told you I can't pay you. <laughs> Well, yeah, and then she she admits like, well, I she does admit like I I'd pay you if I could. I don't have anything. It's like okay, well, I guess I'm leaving. I found her annoying too, like asking um, Klein Anna, the younger black lady, all these questions, mm -hmm. wanting to lay next to her. Mm -hmm. It's like, bitch, leave me alone, okay? Leave me alone. <laughs> then she, she's sad. So but... then she sends Hendrick, the 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 black man, to the post office in town, which is like a two day trip trip mm -hmm. on bike. 
And she's like, take the letter, take this piece of paper to the post office and they'll give you money. So we see him come back and he looks upset. Like well, clearly he didn't get any money. So he's yelling at her and then they have sex, which I think it seemed forced initially, but it, then she liked it. Yeah. But I thought him, the visual of him having sex with her looked like when the cat is vomiting. <laughs> well, cause he's hunched up. Yeah. It wasn't his, his rhythm was not the best. <laughs> well, it's, and her head gets slammed against the wall, but then we get one of those fantasy sequences where in her mind, what she's seeing is like almost a tender caress yeah. from which was really disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> like, like she's collapsing what this should feel with like this violence. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, there's a moment when Klein Anna is cutting Jane Birkin's character's hair and she's like bobbing her head all over the place. Like, how am I supposed to cut your hair with your head flopping around? (laughs) Then when the younger black married couple say like, fine, like we're leaving, she gets mad and they have an exchange. We're like, well, you need to pay us. And if you can't give us money, give us something else. So they take some clothes, but the husband takes clothes that Jane didn't want him to have. So she like shoots her gun at them. But then at the last minute, she's like begging them to stay. Mm-hmm. And she says, don't you see you're the only people in the world I care for? <laughs> like, oh, God. Well, that's, a, I think, also the point where he's like, if they find your dad dead, I'm going to get blamed. And she's like, I'm not. She keeps saying something like, I am I. Um, I'm not one of just these whites. She says something like that. I, I wouldn't betray you. I felt bad for her. Cause it's like, she just doesn't see the world for what it is. And she yeah. was never taught how to be an adult. And it, so it, it's a captivating story. I would, you know, I'm never going to read any books, but if I did, this would be one I would add to my list. Um, I have a couple get, to, I had to read foe for a course in school. And, um, we, we reviewed waiting for the barbarians. Oh. with Johnny Depp and uh, Mark Rylance. Uh, there's a point when after the couple leaves, I guess Jane is like hungry for some for some dicks. So then she well, finds this 14-year-old boy named Peter. From the post office. He's delivering a letter. And she tries to molest him. She does. <laughs> I was like, oh my it's God. It's very uncomfortable. And she goes, have you ever done this? Because she doesn't know how to talk about sex. So she's doing like that motion of like the finger through a hole in your other hand. like. But it's very violent. It's very violent. It scares the young boy and he runs off. I thought that was a powerful scene because, you know, it. she's laughing, but it's like, if that were like a man doing that to a young girl, we'd all be like, oh my God. Yeah. But when she does it, it's like, she's crazy. <laughs> Poor thing. Yeah. It, it. I think it's really well done. I think it's shot really well. Oh, um, her trying to shear a sheep. Oh my God. Yeah. Cause the, we've learned that the sheep have lice and they need to be deloused and shoot a Charlotte or sh- shoot one of my sheep sheared by a charlatan. Yeah. Shoot. <laughs> Lastly, I thought this movie should have been called. I have no money. <laughs> Because she says that like 20 times. Oh, and she's trying to look for things to sell in the house. Like, you ain't got shit. Uh, what is that? She thought like, oh, you could just take a note to the post office and they'll hand you a, a wad of money. Like, <laughs> I wish. It's so depressing. But I also think she looks beautiful. Um, I think she's a really interesting. I don't know. She, I find her captivating on screen. Yeah. I, and I, I like her speaking voice. There's, It's just, yeah. I'm sad that she's passed at the age of 76. But... For sure. Uh, um, for sure. I, I've never seen a film by Marion Hansel before who has directed a, a handful of things. Uh, this was her debut, and I think it won an award. Uh, it played, it, it premiered at the Venice Film Festival that year in competition. Um, 
speaking of post offices, there's that post office in West Hollywood, the one that is our PO box. Mm-hmm. Oh, speaking of that, thank you for the people who continue to send us gifts. We really like them. Mm-hmm. And as a reminder, I like gift cards and candles. But anyway, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, with, but, any, but 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 anyway, that post office. If anyone knows the post office I'm talking about, it has the worst service. Well, yeah. I have ever experienced like there's one lady in particular who works there who is awful like the worst yeah i think she's known on the yelp page yeah if you go on yelp uh they they uh like like people call her out by name i won't do that here but i've only been there once with you uh and i saw an incident (laughs) yeah every because i go to the (laughs) post office regularly to check our p.o box and every time there's an incident and I don't even, I'm not even waiting in line. I'm walking just to the P.O. box. Sometimes if the package is big, I have to wait every time. Yeah, I remember. She's like really mean and nasty. Some young man was getting into it. Not like getting into it with her, but he was terse. And then she goes, he walked away and she goes, motherfucker, tell me how to do my job. Oh, like, oh my so God. And then it's like, we're next in line. Like, hi. <laughs> yeah, so unprofessional. <laughs> we have like three minutes left. Um, what would you give this movie? Uh, three and a half. I would give it three and a half out of five. Um, yeah. I, w- I was going to pick the beautiful troublemaker, uh, 1991 Jacques Rivette film. Cause she, she did do quite a, a, a handful of films with Rivette. Um, but that's four hours. So, and we had a long week, so I didn't want to do that. D- Dust is always something I wanted to see. And I was glad I was able to find it somewhere online. So what do we have coming this week? Disney's Haunted Mansion. Ugh. Oh, we didn't come to the defense of Justin Simeon. I guess we'll have to talk about we'll that. We'll talk about Yeah, we don't have any time. Um, and Susie Searches and a new Nicolas Cage film. Um, talk to Me, we already reviewed. I've been begged. Oh, Problemista, I need to see. And The Passenger. Problemista. Yeah, those are press screenings, but those are releases for the week after. Oh. Uh, but we'll see them. And then, uh, oh, God, I keep getting... The, I've had a publicist begging me to review War Pony, uh, which is co-directed by Riley Keough, which I saw at Cannes. I think it won the Golden, the Camera Door at Cannes this past year, which is worth a watch. I don't think you were interested in it, though. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Do you have a quote for us or anything? Nope. I'm reading uh, A Room with a View, so I can finally watch that Julian Sands starring classic. Oh, uh, speaking of not reading, I did pick up a book. You picked up a book that you'd started before. I started this book before and I got halfway through it, but of course I don't remember it. Mm-hmm. So I had to start on page one again. Yeah. Although some of the stuff's coming back to me. What is the name of the book? Oh my God. You the Invisible Man. Invisible Life. The Invisible Life. By Edlin Harris. The Invisible Life by. Yeah, by Edlin Harris. Wait, is that his name? <laughs> Not Invisible Man by H.G. Wells. Yes, Elin Harris is the author. I, of the I book started reading. reading, rereading The Invisible Life by Elin Harris. Mm-hmm. So um, hopefully I finish that by the end of the year. <laughs> if you read 10 pages a day, you That's will. That's a lot. No, it's not. That's a lot. Well, I'm always so exhausted from being asked to do other things. Like, oh, boy. Okay. Always so exhausted. I can't, I can't get into a headspace to enjoy my own things, but that's for another day. Uh huh. Okay. Anything else? I don't know. Uh, well, let's go have a pity party for you. <laughs> Jesus. Ta ta for now. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.